listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome on in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. And welcome on in to episode number 137 this week. We're welcoming for the very first time as a special guest, promoter, owner, and CEO of Crash Tested Wrestling, Jed Williamson. And we'll talk Crash Tested's Whiplash event coming up this weekend in Hobart, Indiana. Plus, we're going to get into Chicago-style wrestling's falling down. Lots of crazy things going on there. A main event match that Saw a little bit of everything. Crazy brawl. Axel Rico just getting his ever-loving ass kicked. And Joey Jet Avalon retaining with a little bit of surprise help. We'll talk about that show and a whole lot more coming up next right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. Wrestling fans often talk about psychology in the squared circle. But what about your individual psychology and mental health? The counselors at True Heights Treatment offer in-person or virtual appointments. To learn more, go to www.trueheightstx.com or give them a call at 708-248-7039. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your boy, Mason Perks, and you're listening to Windy City Slam, baby. The best podcast the shy has to offer on professional wrestling. So turn it up, turn up. It's your boy, Mason Perks, and you're listening to Windy City Slam Podcast. Yeah. Back here on Windy City Slam Podcast. And before we get into Chicago-style wrestling's falling down, one real quick prediction. From this week's AEW Championship Tournament, Dynamite Grand Slam is Wednesday night, and I'm going to stick with this pick. Brian Danielson will become your new AEW Champion by outlasting his Blackpool Combat Club comrade, John Moxley. All right, to Chicago-style wrestling's falling down this past Friday night, September the 16th. Hell of a show. Let's get into it. Pre-show, we had Nikki Nix defeating Haven Harris. And Do Montgomery wins the Futures Battle Royal. And now to the action-packed, stacked, and loaded main show. First, they opened up with a tribute to Ricky Dunlap, the former Ricky the Janitor, who passed away a little bit over a week ago. A lot of the CSW talent came out, surrounded the ring. There was a picture of Ricky in the ring. A moment of silence and a 10-bell salute to Ricky Dunlap. 
our condolences to Ricky and his family and friends. On to the main show now. Jax Johnson storms the ring, complaining about superstar Steve Boz's Metra Division title defense later on in the evening against former WWE superstar Aaron Stevens, a.k.a. Damian Sandow. Jax Johnson not very happy at all, and he took it out on poor Adam Stallion. He defeats Stallion via submission. Tag team action saw Marco Anthony and Sean Mulligan defeat Alpha Zeta Zeta, who I believe was making their debut appearance on a main card for CSW. They had been in the pre-show battle royal a few times. Pretty cool to see a couple young guys get a shot, but the veterans, Marco Anthony and Sean Mulligan, get the win and celebrate with beer. Career killer Chris Miller defeats Mateo Valentine after he countered Mateo's attempt at a bridge pin and hits the setup powerbomb to get the pin and three count. Trio's match, and this thing was really crazy. Cody James, Moondog Murray, and Cypher. Yeah, Cypher trying to break away from Heather Reckless, but as we saw during the course of this match, that really is still not the case. But Cody, Moondog, and Cypher get the victory over Mario Pardua, Eric Schultz, and Joey Mayberry when Moondog pins Pardua, and that's following Cypher's exit from the match thanks to Heather Reckless. Fans chanting Cypher has rights, and they want him emancipated, but he's still stuck as Heather Reckless's pet for some reason, and that would continue throughout the night. I'm Ugly Match. TJ Steele defeats Ryan Matthews after using a power sander on him. This was basically like an I quit match, basically forcing your opponent to say, I'm ugly instead of I quit. And this was really crazy. A lot of different implements involved, a lot of different weapons, foreign objects. And the match even went into the men's room for a minute and crazy stuff. And then there was the Survivor Series Gauntlet Elimination match, which was announced early last week, but so late into the preparation for the show that we didn't even know about this match until the few days before the match went on. And it was the Black and Brave Army of Shane Hollister coming in to fill in for Conan Lycan, Solomon Tupu, Jay Marston, and Shane Boucher. They defeat. The team of the Dope Kings, Brubaker and Esparza, and the Soul Touches, Marche Rocket and Acid Jazz, when Hollister last eliminated Marche Rocket to become the sole survivor. And the BNB Army dominating once again at the end. And unfortunately for the fans in attendance, it wasn't the last time we'd see the Army from Black and Brave. CSW Women's Championship Fatal 4-Way Match. Heather Reckless retains the title by defeating Sky Blue, Sierra, and Shelly the Bombshell when Reckless got the pin on Shelly following interference from Heather's pet Cypher. And after the match, this was absolutely brutal. Shelly, Mario Pardua, and Eric Schultz took it upon themselves to attack and hit their finishers on Sky Blue to leave her laying. So obviously a measure of revenge for Team Babushka 
following Sky Blue's victory and humiliation of Eric Schultz the previous month. CSW Metro Division Championship Superstar Steve Boz retains by pinning Aaron Stevens. He gets him with a small package after countering a figure four attempt. Now, this was a damn good match, and Stevens hit all the spots that you thought that Damian Sandow would hit back in WWE, the knee drop, the Kobito Akiyet. He did the rotation of elimination. He also cut a seething promo against CSW and Steve Boz before the match. Really, really good stuff. And Stevens is a guy I've admired for a long time, ever since he was an enhancement talent in the mid 2000s, like 2005, 2006. And then when he came in as Damian Sandow, he had the great run, part of the Road Scholars, was the former Money in the Bank winner. He was also Miz Dow when he imitated the Miz and was his stunt double. I really enjoyed his act. And I really had wished that he would have gotten a little bit better treatment in WWE, but hell of a guy. I got to meet him before the show. Very, very cool. And man, Steve Boz looks terrific. And he's almost as old as Vic Capre. And both those guys don't look a day over like 28. And they're both absolutely amazing. And then the main event, CSW Championship, Joey Jet Avalon faced Axel Rico and Avalon pins Rico following a violent match. And this was everywhere. It went through the crowd. It went into the parking lot. It came back into the arena. Both guys, I mean, chairs everywhere. But the finish of the match comes when we thought Axel Rico was finally going to break through and win that championship. The lights go out. They come back on. The four members of the Black and Brave Army are standing in the ring. Avalon doesn't know what to make of it. Rico doesn't know what to make of it. But they turn to Axel Rico and attack him. They leave Avalon alone. They lay out Axel Rico. Sierra's there at ringside, kind of cringing, hoping that they don't attack Joey either. They did not. Basically, the Black and Brave Army leaves, kind of presents Axel Rico to Joey Jet Avalon. Avalon hits his cradle pile driver. Gets the three count. Fans go crazy. GM Steve Errant, very upset and despondent. And Joey Jet Avalon retains the title. And he's held that title, I believe, now for about 10 months. And he's just dominated in CSW. And not all of his victories have been clean. He claims that the Black and Wave Army and himself were not in collusion for this little deal at the end of this match. But who knows what to think anymore? CSW's next show, Friday, October the 22nd, special guest Eugene Nick Dinsmore. And for a whole lot more on CSW falling down, check out Windy City Slam's social media and windycityslam.com. We're going to have a story, we're going to have photos, lots of coverage coming up from this great event. Now let's shift forward. Upcoming events. Freelance Wrestling presents, and get this, it's Trev Timber Fuckers, but it's spelled P-H-U-Q-O-R-S, and this is a show built around Trevor Outlaw, 
because it's Trev Tember. It's his birthday month. He's very close to his in-ring return after undergoing surgery late last year. And this card is absolutely amazing. If you can get a ticket, the show is at Logan Square Auditorium at 8 p.m. on Friday night. But if you can't make it there, the show will also be broadcast on IWTV. The card is as follows, and this thing is loaded. Freelance World Championship, Robert Ego Anthony with Frank the Clown defends the title against heavyweight hustle Calvin Tankman, who happens to be the freelance underground champion. So this is going to be huge. Freelance legacy title, Brian Keith defends against Myron Reed. Then we have Storm Grayson, the former freelance world champion, facing off against Big Damo, who was formerly in WWE and Impact Wrestling. Freelance Tag Team Championships, the Bang Bros, Davey Bang and August Matthews, defend against the workhorsemen of Anthony Hendry and J.D. Drake. Then we have Project Monix, looking to continue his path of destruction and winning streak, along with James Russo in his corner, taking on Trey Lamar. And this is going to be a hell of a tag team match too. Pick and Pop, Darius Latrell and Coda Hernandez, your freelance underground tag team champions, although I don't believe that title will be on the line here. They're defending against the new team with tons of potential. Sky's the limit, Xavier Sky and Saban Gage. And then it's the six-person scramble, Acid Jazz, Darren Corbin, Alfonso Gonzalez, Guerrera de Bresenas, Chico Suave, and Craig Mitchell. And of course, Trevor Awa will be front and center as well. And what else does yours rudely have planned? Saturday, September the 24th, Black Label Pro presents Turbo Graps 24. It's a doubleheader show, RDS Gym in Crown Point, Indiana. Bell times are 4 and 7.30. We have Kevin Blackwood versus Bobby Fish. Trisha Dora challenges Black Label Pro champion Calvin Tankman. Jake Something has an open challenge. Plus, you have the Turbo Graps 24 tournament. Now, 24 participants in this tournament. Lots of great talent. I have not seen an exact bracket yet. The first round matches have been announced, but kind of interesting to see how they boil down 24 to get to a winner because obviously there's going to be some Odd numbers as you get down later on in the tournament. So maybe some fatal four ways, triple threats or whatever later on in the bracket, but should be interesting to see how they do this tournament. Saturday, September the 24th, Pow Entertainment presents Saturday Night Fights at T-Wood Bar and Grill in Wooddale. Pow Midwest Championship, JPH defends the title against Kazile. Then we have Mason Perks versus Acid Jazz in a rematch from last month. Scott Spade with his rotten to the core partner Tiny in his corner takes on Trog the Caveman. Psychotic Jimmy Blaze faces Masked Marauder. Meathooks O'Bannon takes on Style and Shane Eaton. And it's Tommy McCobb versus Moondog Murray. Also this Saturday night, September the 24th, True Privilege Wrestling presents a Royal September in Dalton, and this is a fundraiser for the Dalton Bears youth football and cheerleading programs among the superstars on this card, Marche Rocket. Saturday, September 24th, Crash Tested Wrestling presents Whiplash, 
in Hobart, Indiana. And we're going to talk a whole lot more about this show with our special guest, Jed Williamson, in just a few minutes. Finally, Saturday night, September the 24th, we have PWX's Brawl of a New Era at North Point Arena in Streeter. And Sunday, September the 25th, matinee show Ileana Pro Wrestling at the VFW Post in Rickston Park. And also Sunday the 25th, Golly Lucha Libre in Villa Park. All right, coming up next, we welcome the CEO of Crash Tested Wrestling, Jed Williamson. Stay tuned. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam Podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email MikePankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. All right, back here on Windy City Slam podcast this week. Very excited to have on the show for the very first time, the CEO of Crash Tested Wrestling, Mr. Jed Williamson. Jed, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, man. I've been hearing so much about you know your show and, and, and all of your appearances at local uh, shows and whatnot, and, and everybody holds you in such high regards that I'm honored to be here. Thank you very much. I do appreciate that. All right, Jed. Um, one of the reasons why we have you on is to promote Crash Tested Wrestling's Whiplash, and that is this Saturday, September the 24th at Morgan Monroe Hall in Hobart, Indiana. The doors open at 6. The bell rings at 7 for the first match. But first things first, before we talk about the big show, we're going to get into a little bit about you. And unfortunately, over the past couple of days, we heard of a tragic passing of a young man named Ricky Dunlop, and he did a lot of things in local and Midwestern wrestling. So, Jed, could you tell me a couple of memories of, of Ricky and how he touched you? Oh, no, absolutely. When Crash Tested Wrestling first opened its doors in 2014, um, we had reached out to uh, a place called Just Pro Wrestling, which is now known as Wrestle League. Mm -hmm. and their roster was instrumental in getting us off the ground. And at that time, uh, Ricky was wrestling for them under the name of Ricky the Janitor. And uh, when he signed on to be a part of our first show, he's like, yeah, well, this is being Indiana. I, you know, I'd like to try this different gimmick. And I'm like, okay, sure. I mean, what do you, you want to do? He's like, I'd like to go by the name Wild Wyndham. And when I saw his picture, I'm like, dude, why haven't you been using this the whole time? Because he looked a little bit like Barry Windham. Like mm -hmm. he could possibly be Barry Windham's kid. So I'm like, dude, you should have capitalized on this from the get-go. But he came in to crash test it under the, the, the gimmick of Wild Windham. And he wrestled for me for about a year and a half uh, before I took a hiatus from crash tested. And that's a long story we may get into or not. But Wild Windham was so over with the crowd because he would come out to uh quiet riots uh can you feel the noise or feel the noise or something like that okay and 
and, and he would get up on the chairs right in the middle of the audience and, and get them all hyped up. I mean, he had the crowd in the palm of his hands. Even my own brother was a huge fan of his. His very, I want to say his second match with me was against a gentleman that is well, well known. And his name is uh, Brutus Owen Wesker. And uh, he had a very good match with uh, former uh, CCW champion, Kenny Courageous. He was just, he was a, he was a really, really good talent. And if he was in the ring with another really good talent, the kid had unbelievable potential. And it's just such a loss to the to the wrestling industry that what went down went down and he's no longer with us. Yeah, so sad. Now, my condolences to the family of Ricky Dunlop. And we just, uh, these, these tragedies nowadays in wrestling, even now, eh, really, really sad. And Ricky will be missed by a lot of us in the community. Um, this show will be dedicated to Ricky Dunlap. Ricky the janitor or Wild Wyndham, however you want to refer to him as. The show is going to be dedicated to him. We're going to do a 10-bell salute before the show starts, and we're going to honor him because he was a CTW original. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be sitting here right now talking to you if it hadn't been for that first roster. Crazy stuff, man. But, yeah, it's cool to kind of pay tribute to what he did and his impact on the local business as well. Now let's get into a little bit about you and how you got into wrestling. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of companies you tried to to go with, but Crash Tested really is kind of like the company that's kind of given you some stability. But let, let's start out with your early days. IUWA, I believe you were mentioning? It, it actually goes a few months prior to that. I was working at a pizza place and my uh, delivery driver was taking a delivery. And this kid opens the door and he's watching Monday Night Raw. And my driver's like, oh, you like wrestling, do you? And, and uh, the kid's like, oh, yeah, we hold a show in the backyard every Saturday. And we're looking for sponsors. So the driver comes back and tells me about it. And I call this kid up and I'm just like, oh, well, you know, I'm just a manager here. I mean, I can't do like sponsorships, but I'd be more than happy to come by, check out the show and see you know, if I can help you out any way I can. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, and that young man's name was uh, Dakota Boyer. He goes under the name of Dakota Prodigy. And so I spent a couple of months trying to, to get his little backyard fed out of the backyard. Um, mind you, they were 15-year-old kids. So <laughs> when when, when a, a, a almost 30-year-old guy comes into your backyard and tries to tell you how to get your show out of the backyard, 15-year-old kids don't take that very kindly. And I was kind of shunned and told not to come back. But through that experience, I was connected with this place called IUWA. And I went to one of their uh, practices and I met the promoter. And I, I freely admit, I tried to do wrestling training. I really did. I got in there and I was running the ropes. I was doing the drop downs. I was doing the leapfrogs. I was, uh, yeah, I, I did my best. Um, but when I face planted on a, a, a misplanted leapfrog, damn near knocked myself loopy and then got up and said, no, I'm good. I can keep going. And then nearly broke the next guy's back by landing on his lower back. I kind of got up and said, hmm. I don't trust myself to not hurt people 
granted, if I'd knuckled down and probably put forth the effort, I, I, I might have been able to get the hang of it. But I decided I'm going to learn everything else about the business. So I learned to be a referee, ring announcer, commentator, manager, promoter, all, all of the above. And I studied everything uh, surrounding actually being an in-ring talent. And I hold them with anybody that laces up a pair of boots, whether they, they've got great training or not. They get in that ring, they're putting their body on the line. I hold them in high respect. So, uh, but yeah, that, that first stint, it was kind of short because I, I always had put my family ahead of wrestling mm -hmm. and uh, we had, I had some family issues that kept me from really uh, pursuing it, but it was, it was a beginning. Because as soon as I walked into the guy's backyard and, and, and I was able to physically touch a wrestling ring and get into a wrestling ring and that light bulb went off like, oh, my God, I can actually be a part of this industry. It was always fantasy, you know, watching it on TV, WCW, WWE. And it was just that childhood fantasy of, oh, well, that would be fun. That would be great. As soon as I touched that ring, it, it was like my brain said, uh, we're doing this one way or the other. Sooner or later, this is going to be our career. And even with all the starts and stops, I, I I never let go of that that goal. Pretty crazy stuff. And then uh, you you mentioned that IUWA in like a, a little bit of a chat that we had previous to coming on the air is now Project Revolution Wrestling. Correct. And then a one off with a short lived company called Breaking Point. So you kind of been you were kind of like um going around and trying different places and nothing really kind of stuck for you. Well, like I said, it, it wasn't because of the companies at the time. It was because of my family uh, obligations because having to, to make an income to take care of my family, um, the jobs that I would have would always have me usually scheduled like Wednesday through Sunday. Mm -hmm. So getting Saturday nights off was next to impossible because I was always in a management position and there was never managers that could cover my shifts. So it was either I work or I get in trouble for calling off. Um, so I had to put the family first many, many times. I tried going back to IUWA once uh, after that. And like I said, Fire Pro, I did a couple of shows with and uh, the, the one off of Breaking Point. And when I figured that I could not pursue a career at that time, that's when I started cultivating, starting my own company so that one day, one, I could, that I'd be able to focus all of my attention on my company. So what was the next step for you after that? There was a, a, a project a year before Crash Test had started um, with a, a couple of people that wanted to start an organization, and they brought me in on it. Um, and right out of the gate because of my inexperience, they weren't very open to my suggestions. So the other parties involved were not able to follow through on what they wanted to do. So it kind of fizzled out. So fast forward a year later, so this would be 2014, my original business partner and I spoke, we uh, talked about what we wanted to do and we sat down and it was, it was like, your, your foot was on the floorboard of the gas pedal because in less than three months, we had come up with the, the name of the company. We got the ring for the company 
Kentucky. We got a, a truck to tow the ring. We got a, a garage, uh, uh, an industrial garage to, to hold trainings at, stuff like that. Uh, so inside of three months, we were launching. Three months after we opened, there was a falling out between me and my business partner, which led me to a point where I couldn't, I couldn't do the company on my own. I was looking to sell half the company, but the person who wanted to buy in said that he would only buy the whole company. Feeling like I was stuck in an unwinnable position, I agreed to sell him the whole company because he agreed that I was going to be kept on to run the day-to-day -day operations. Sounded like a great opportunity to, to continue to do what I love with the product that I created uh, with the you know, financial backing of that guy. And after about a year or so of that, it turns out that he was picking my authority away because he was the one making the paychecks and the guys were going to him for decisions instead of me. And it was just a big cluster. And so January 2016, I, I left crash tested, believing that I had no choice in the matter. It was not my company anymore. I didn't have anything that I could say or do about it. And then... A couple of years later, when it became evident that he wasn't going to fulfill his part of the purchase agreement, which was to pay off my debt for the ring, I said, um, if you're not going to fulfill your part of the bargain, then I'm going to go to court and get my company back. And he laughed in my face, said, good luck, have fun with that. And 18 months later, a judge said, give him his company back because you didn't fulfill your end of the bargain. So. I got my ring back, what was it, in 2019, but there was a lot of damage to it, so I had to refurbish the ring. And by the time I was able to finish refurbishing the ring, COVID had hit. Mm -hmm. So that postponed my relaunch for about another year. In between, while I was not with Crash Tested, I, I, I tried to work with just pro wrestling before it became Russell League. I tried working with Smash Mouth Pro Wrestling before it closed shop. And again, it, it, there's nothing against the companies themselves. But by that time, I felt like I had lost my dream with Crash Tested. So working for another company was almost like pouring salt in the wound. And I, I just didn't feel comfortable. But it had nothing to do with the companies themselves. And so I ended up just saying, all right, I'm just going to sit back and wait. And then the lawsuit happened. And I'm like, all right, now I got my company back. Time to focus on the relaunch. And you guys have been back running <laughs> ever since. Um, about a year and a half now. Yeah. All right. Now let's head on forward to Crash Tested Wrestling Whiplash. And that's Saturday, September the 24th at Morgan Monroe Hall in Hobart, Indiana. The doors are at six. The bell is at seven. And let's get into some of the matches on this show. We have the crash, oh, yeah, we have the crash tested heavyweight championship. The Kang, Miles Mercer, defends against the juggernaut, Mike Strong. Well, the Kang slipped in the back door. I don't know how many people are up to date, but the Kang slipped in the back door uh, when the title was vacated and uh, his manager, C-Red, Slipped in the offices, signed some contracts. I got uh, the King Miles Mercer slipped into a title match. And uh, in short order, C-Red and Miles Mercer kind of did a little uh, screw job and, and, and screwed Mike Strong out of 
the heavyweight title. So I felt it was only fair that Mike Strong get another opportunity. I'm a firm believer that the referee's decision is final. So whatever happened, it happened. Mike Strong's going to get another shot at the title. And then after that, Miles Mercer has a very full plate of contenders that are, are looking to come after that championship. And I tell you, Mike Strong is one tough dude, man. Uh, he's got the absolutely. Yeah, he, it's a great package of of skill and agility for a guy his size. He's a really terrific little person. bit of information. Mike Strong not only was on the very first show of Crash Test in 2014, but I gave him his debut match, his very first match ever. Wow, very cool. He's had a nice career. Yes, he has. Next match I have on the list is the Chasing Destiny Championship. It's undeniable Nick Diamond against legend in the making, Michael Pierce. This is an interesting one um, because Michael Pierce is, is uh, uh, he's a rookie and he doesn't have uh, a whole lot of time in the business, but he, as, as many talents do, he has got unlimited potential and he has been making a name in, in the area a little bit. Nick Diamond, who came into the company at about three, three and a half years in the business, so also pretty much a rookie. Um, Nick Diamond has been shooting straight up this past year and a half. His, his abilities, his, 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 his personality, his mic skills, everything has just like quadrupled since he debuted with us, which obviously is what led him to the Chasing Destiny Championship, uh, defeating Jared Kripke. But this... Feud with Michael Pierce, even though this is only the second time they've faced off and crash tested, has been spread all over the Midwest area. I mean, they've they've wrestled at, at, at like a dozen or more companies against each other, so they know each other very well. I'm excited to see how this is going to turn out because Nick Diamond being on that rocket ship that he's on, and Mike Michael Pierce being the legend in the making, as he calls himself, uh, has an opportunity to claim that, that right, you know, claim that legendary status by becoming the Ch chasing destiny champion. So there's a lot of little nuances to this match that I'm interested to see how it turns out. Yeah. And I believe with Nick diamond too, I thought I saw something on his social media saying something about he might be going to the Rhodes wrestling Academy soon. Absolutely. And I couldn't be more proud of him. He's totally deserving of it. I mean, like I said, he's been on a rocket ship just in the past year and a half wrestling, you know, in the Midwest for the opportunity to go down and get trained by Dustin Rhodes himself. Uh, there was another young lady that uh, has wrestled for crash tested uh, under the name of Jaliah, the sorceress. She's been down to the Rhodes wrestling Academy on a couple of occasions. And I heard stories about, the training down there and they're uh they do little showcase shows almost like uh mini pay-per-views that they air on youtube and it's some good talent down there and, and, and her in-ring abilities had quadrupled since the time she wrestled for me so if nick diamond with the incline that he's on gets down to the wrestling uh roads wrestling academy and they can quadruple his ability, he's going to come out of there ready for the big time, I believe. 
Yeah, that's really cool. And another guy that just recently went through the Rhodes Wrestling Academy is JPH. He's been making his name around the Chicagoland area in the Midwest as well. So it's definitely very reputable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's Dustin Rhodes for crying out loud. I would expect it to be reputable. <laughs> and then our next match on the sheet, Cameron Wayne and his high society have kind of gotten themselves in a little bit of trouble. And now attorney Eric Schultz has to face a gauntlet. So fill in uh, well, th- fill us in a little bit on clear, what's going on. To be clear, each and every member of high society will go through a gauntlet match. Now, back in November, I was abducted and I was held by high society for nearly eight months. And my kid brother, Tully Bertarelli, Sanji, Eric Wolfgar, they managed to find me. They returned me to the crash-tested audience. And when you have eight months to plan your revenge, there's not much that the other person is going to do to stop you. Now that I am back at the helm of crash-tested wrestling, Cameron has two choices. High society will go through these gauntlet matches, and we can move on with our careers, or he can walk out. He can quit. He can leave. That's his choice. And I guarantee you how much the audience hates Cameron Wayne and high society, I'm sure they'd be happy with either decision. But yes, the first one on the chopping block is Eric Schultz. Eric Schultz is the smarmy, weaselly attorney that managed to get the high society's contracts drawn up, which I have undone. Been That was part of the deal is that we had to sit down and go over, go over the contracts to where they didn't have these ironclad, you know, foolproof, you can't fire me contracts. Once that was taken care of, I was like, fine, now we're time time to go to these gauntlet matches. Eric Schultz, you're up first. Oh, well, who's going to be in the gauntlet match? Only I know. The only person that knows who's going to be in that match is me. Eric Schultz can stand out in that ring and drop a deuce in his pants waiting for each person to come out. And God knows how many guys he got lined up, too. It's true. I did not say, well, you know, the, the flyer insinuates five guys, mm-hmm. but it's a flyer. It can't fit like a hundred little shadowy figures on there. So it could be five. It could be 10. It could, it could be 75. I could have the whole locker room lined up. Yeah. Schultz is going to have a hard time getting results in that scenario. That's the plan. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to move on to tag team action. You have the workhorses against the team of, Sean Danger and John Francis. Yes. Um, John Francis was a last-minute substitution because Sanji has another obligation that he came to me. Well, his handler came to me and asked for permission, and I gave him permission to to take a a detour. But I had a conversation with a guy by the name of John Francis, and it turns out that he's actually – the guy that trained the workhorses, as well as Nick Diamond, by the way. We tossed around some ideas, and he's, he's like, well, you're having some trouble with these guys. And I trained them, you know, so how about, you know, I can come in and, you know, try and teach them, you know, what the elder statesman of these situations brings to the table. And I was, I was like, yes, that's a good idea. You know what? Fine. You're on. You come in, show your former students how it's done see if you can get them to to humble themselves and get them 
in line instead of going around beating up everybody and bragging about their accomplishments. Um, so John Francis has come in to, to – we're kind of doing each other a little favor on this one. And Sean Danger, that's a, that's a crazy cat. I love Sean Danger, but that is a crazy cat. I mean, how that man has managed to wrestle for as many years as he has while being falling down drunk I, <laughs> blows my mind. But he manages to pull it off each and every show. His win-loss record ain't great. Maybe that's due to the drinking. Let's trying to get him into some sort of rehab center here. So I'm trying to tell him, it's like, dude, if you can at least stay sober on show days, maybe you'd start to pick up some W's. But it's going to be interesting with uh, John Francis as his tag team partner to see how the workhorses will tackle this match. And then you have the Lethal Lottery Tournament. And you said on social media, like uh, there was this big group of 32 people and there'd be fan input and everything like that. So explain what's going on with that. I'm actually quite proud of this idea because uh, in that eight months that I was uh, not there, all you had, all I had time to do was think. I don't know a whole lot outside of the Midwest area, but I, as far as I remembered, I've never heard of an independent show doing a lethal lottery tournament. And anybody who used to watch the NWA back in the 80s would know what a lethal lottery tournament is. They used to pick two guys, you know, whether they were uh, baby face or heel or good guy or bad guy, they could be picked to be tag team partners in this lethal lottery tournament. And then their opponents would be randomly chosen. And then there would be a tournament. And I believe that... In the finals, whoever won the tournament of the Lethal Lottery Tournament would have a one-on, I think it was a one-on-one -on -one match with their tag team partner for a chance at the title or something. I can't remember the finals, but uh, but it, it's an old concept. Mm -hmm. And I thought about how to integrate the fans into it. So what better way for the fans to get what they want out of a wrestling show or a wrestling company than to be able to pick the people they get to see and choose the matches that are going to take place. So I put it to the crowd to, to go onto the Facebook fan page and vote for wrestlers that they wanted to see in crash tested. The response was enormous. We got the 32 nominations, like practically overnight. I've spent this time in between that show and now to contact these uh, wrestlers to see if they'd like to be a part of this tournament majority of them have a few i haven't been able to get in touch with but there will be some hand-picked people to fill those empty slots by the time we get to that but it doesn't matter if if i handpick anybody if if i even handpicked the entire 32 it wouldn't matter because we're gonna go very old school with this and i'm gonna write their names down on a piece of paper fold them up put them in a bowl and I'm going to put that bowl in front of a fan to, to draw the name out. The first name they draw out is the first competitor. Go to the next fan. They're going to draw the second name. That's going to be their opponent. They don't even know who they're facing until the fans draw the names. So for anybody out there, you know, non-wrestling fan or whatever, that's, oh, it's not so fake. It's so predetermined. You don't know. You have nobody knows. Yeah, that's a pretty cool concept. I do remember the Lethal Lottery in the NWA and WCW, and I believe there was like a, 
a battle bowl kind of like attached to it too. I, my memory's a little hazy on that, but yeah, it was, it's an interesting idea and interesting concept. C-Red said that about a decade ago, there was a company down South that tried to do this and that it was, a, he said it was an extremely fun uh, experience. So it, I may not be the first one to do it on the independence. I think I'm the first one to attempt to do it in the Midwest. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm very happy to, to see how this is going to turn out with the fans. Very cool. Now, are there any other matches announced for Whiplash as of yet? Nope, that's the card for Whiplash. Um, we will have two of the Lethal Lottery matches. So there will be four names in the bowl to pick from. Because of what we have planned for our November show, our, cra our annual Crash Givings event, there will be four of the Lethal Lottery uh, opening round matches. So there will be eight competitors there that night. If the fans are wondering, well, why don't you just do, you know, try to cram it all into a couple of shows? Because we have champions that, that need to defend their titles. We have certain grudge matches that need to be addressed. And to be quite frank, that's a lot of matches. That's 16 mm -hmm. matches just for the opening round. So we kind of have to spread it out just a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. Definitely. Anything that fans need to know about crash tested wrestling and the experience of a crash tested wrestling show. If they decide to come to the show, you know, I, I, I never sit here and try to say that we're better than any other wrestling company out there because there are wrestling companies that are bigger and better than us. I'm not going to deny that, but we are trying our absolute best to bring the absolute best show we can to the fans each and every time we, we, we don't, do this as a hobby we don't do this because you know oh this would be a fun thing to do we love this business we absolutely love this entire industry and entertaining the fans is what we do if they don't know this a lot of promoters they don't make a you know a big profit off of these independent shows we do it for the love of the business and for the love of the fan base and we want to put on shows that the fans will be entertained with stories that they will get captivated with and talent that they can be, be invested in so crash tested wrestling is it's just a concept of mine that every wrestler that goes through training and every fan every person on the face of the earth that has ever gone through a hard time crash tested is a philosophy philosophy of life you go through hard times, you go through perils, and, and, and you come through at the other side. And that makes all of us, in one shape, way, shape, or form, crash-tested. So that, that was my philosophy on the company. And that, that's what I try to bring to the fan base is a place where everybody, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, you can come to a wrestling event for crash-tested and know that you are among people that have been through the same thing, that understands what you're going through, that can hopefully you even make friends at our shows. If you come to our shows on a regular basis, you can make friends and make a support system and just connect as a community to help yourself through the hard times so that you can pass the test and be crash tested. I know I'm getting a little philosophical deep on this but that's just the way I, I view the company 
Oh, that's very cool, Jed. Now, before we let you go, go ahead and offer up social media for yourself and for the company, as well as any ticket information and where people can find all that for the upcoming shows. Well, it's a short list. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Jed Williamson. You can't miss it. I got the flyer as my profile pic. So Crash Tested Wrestling is on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, Crash Tested Wrestling Chapter 2. And that's because of the long hiatus between my first stint and my second stint. And you can find all content that we have available, all information available on that fan page. We do have a YouTube channel. We will be creating new content here in the near future. So by all means, go over and subscribe and, and check out the, the YouTube channel, Crash Tested on YouTube. As far as show information, uh, tickets will only be sold at the door. We don't have any websites or, or pre-sale tickets lined up unless you live in the uh, Porter Lake County area of Indiana, then by all means, hit me up and I, I, I'll I be more than happy to sell you tickets in advance. Otherwise, just uh, come to the show, man. It, it's it's going to be a hell of a night with this lethal lottery tournament, two title matches, a gauntlet match, uh, teacher versus student tag team match. It, it, it's going to be entertaining. As it was stated a couple of times, September 24th, uh, Hobart, Indiana, the Morgan Monroe Hall. That is uh, 3850 Howard Avenue in Hobart, Indiana. Do uh, doors open at 6, bell times at 7, and uh, tickets are $15 for adults, $10 for children under 10. Yeah, we'll do the best we can to, to blow your minds. All right, check out Crash Tested Wrestling's Whiplash. And Jed, thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, and we're looking forward to talking to you more down the road. Absolutely. Can't wait to meet you in person, Mike. Great talking with Jed Williamson. Catch Crash Tested Wrestling this weekend in Hobart, Indiana. Should be a good show. A lot of interesting things going on there. So go ahead and check it out. All right, next week, we're going to run down a ton of local happenings, including the big freelance show. Plus, we'll preview Warrior Wrestling's return show on October the 2nd after a few months hiatus. Be interesting to see what the reaction is to this big show. Several AEW stars in attendance. Plus, we welcome special guests Jordan Cross and Salem Crane, and they'll be going one on one at SSW's They're Here in Kenosha on October the 8th, and we'll get inside their heads right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. So long, everybody.